Hey, my name is Kevin Clark. I'm the host of a new football podcast called Slow News Day. I want to tell you about it. On Mondays, Lindsey Jones and I will recap the weekend in football that was, as well as look ahead to what's next. On Wednesday, the normal Slow News Day, the thing you've been watching for years, current players, current coaches, current analysts talking about the football world. And on Friday... It's a wild card. Could be some college football, could be more pro stuff. It's a video podcast, so you can watch it on Spotify or listen to it wherever you get your podcasts. Follow on Spotify. It's Slow News Day. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Think about all the stuff you can do now on Sundays after the Super Bowl's over. Adventurous activities. You need a Hyundai to get you there. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure with features like Available H-Track, all-wheel drive. You can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Welcome to the Rear Fantasy Football Show. My name is Danny Heifetz. I am joined by Danny Kelly and Craig Korolbeck. Sunday of week two is over. It was insane. As our colleague Ringer, the Ringers, Roger Sherman pointed out, there was not a single team to come back and win after being down 20 points all of last season. Today it happened twice. So that's the kind of day it was in the NFL. We're going through our categories. We're going to tell you who won, who lost. Well, not just the games, but, you know, generally speaking. All our awards, we're giving them out. Craig, who is your first winner of the week? So the subcategory of the winner of the week, I'm going to call the Fastest Kid Alive Award. I don't know if you guys have seen Superbad. Um, <laughs> He's a freak. He's a freak. He's the fastest, fastest kid alive. I'm giving that to just everybody on the Miami Dolphins, man. I love this. Tua Tungavailoa, Tyree Kill, and Jalen Waddell had just about the greatest fantasy football day a trio could ever have. Uh, <laughs> they had a combined 112 fantasy points between the three of them. Tua threw Jeez. for 469 yards. He threw for six touchdowns, two picks. Tyree Kill, 190 yards, two touchdowns. Jalen Waddell, 171 yards, two touchdowns. Um, it's the first time a pair of teammates in NFL history have had 10-plus catches, 150-plus yards, and two receiving touchdowns in the same game. Um, what's funny about all of this is that Tyreek Hill caught these two deep touchdowns. They were both underthrown balls by yeah. Tua. I, I, the, the subplot behind like this great story of Miami coming back down huge in the fourth quarter to beat Baltimore is one, Lamar Jackson had a better game fantasy-wise. He had 42 <laughs> fantasy points, and Tua yeah. had 40. Um, and also, it's like, I, I actually don't still know if two is that good. I just think the speed of Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill is unlike anything I think I've ever seen in an offense. And and you combine that with, with McDaniel's really like smart, unique play calling uh, where they don't run the ball, but they still have that same kind of yards after the catch effect that the Kyle Shanahan offense has. And it just gets Waddle and, and Tyreek wide open in space. And anybody in the NFL can make that throw. And today it was it was the perfect combination of everything, and it was an absolute explosion for for Miami. 
It's yeah. kind of like when Ricky Bobby there and Cal Naughton are on the team, but then they just add Jean Girard and like that's the speed. It's just like like he's <laughs> sipping his macchiato. They're just shaking and baking each other. Waddle and Tyreek <laughs> are drafting behind one another. It's crazy. But, yeah. but Craig brings up a bring, good point, DK. Is Tua good at football or what? I mean, I th- so look, I think to do what he did today, yeah, you have to be kind of good, right? Dude, like, I don't know. He doesn't look that good. Every ball is like underthrown and Waddle and Tyreek have to make up for it. Has anyone ever thrown six touchdowns and we're out here, but like, but are they good? Are they good at six football? Touchdown- He's tied for second most ever of all time in the NFL. Like you have to be kind of good to do that. <laughs> Matt Flynn threw five touchdowns in a game. Don't forget that. That's true. Good point. If it is true. I mean, I can't remember it that exactly, true. but yes. Um, look, I I, ref- I don't understand the stat line and I refuse to <laughs> respond to it. I think it's funny because like, yes, the the two touch, there was two really deep throws that he like underthrew. Basically, Tyreek Hill had to wait for them to get there. But Tyreek Hill is ridiculously fast. And I don't think anyone is like making the jump that like two is anything near like Patrick Mahomes. Like we're just not really used to seeing Tyreek play with a guy that's not Patrick Mahomes. It's been a while since he was with with Alex Smith like years ago. Um, but I mean, like if you go back and watch some of the plays that that Tua made, like his touchdown throw to Mike Kosecki was really impressive in the back in, in the back of the end zone, right by the uh, right by the upright. Um, I don't know. Like I think the way that I look at it is like he's good enough to run this offense, and that's really all that matters because this is an offense that has like a really unique combination of speed like the most unique combination of speed we maybe have ever seen in the nfl like this is one of the reasons i was kind of excited about the dolphins coming in is like we just really haven't seen this plus when you add in the, the scheme that gets guys open and gets guys uh the ability to do run after the catch like we're already seeing like what that can mean um so i don't know i, I think he's good enough to run this offense and that's really kind of like all we need from a yeah, fantasy he's point good of enough view. to run the offense. I don't, I don't, I don't think anyone is saying he's elite. Like, I mean, maybe some of the two and on or whatever people are going to say that. But like, who do you think anyone's going to be like, oh, he's an elite quarterback now? Well, the funny thing about this is, I bet you the majority of people who had Tua on their fantasy team didn't start him. Right. Like all of these no. points were empty calories today. I bet uh, the, for the majority of of fantasy rosters out there, but like. I think that people are in a pickle now because let's say they have a guy like Kirk Cousins, Tom Brady, Joe Burrow, Russell Wilson as the mm. quarterback they drafted and then they have a backup on their bench or maybe two is on waivers and you get him on your team or whatever. Next next week, two is playing the Bills. Do you start Tua? Maybe. Has there ever been a guy who threw six touchdowns, <laughs> put up 40 fantasy points and you're like, eh, should I start him next week? I don't know. I kind of, so here's, here's the other part that I think is very fascinating about this whole thing is their pass rate is way higher than we were expecting, I think, coming into the season. Because Mike McDaniel's coming from the 49ers, where they're one of the slowest, most run-heavy teams in the NFL. You know, they that was the foundation of their offense. In week one, I saw this from uh, Establish the Run, they were first in the NFL in um, expected pass rate, sorry, pass rate over expectation. What so does basically, that mean? They were expected, like based on the game script or whatever, they were expected to run the ball, I think it was like 48% of the time. Oh, because um, they're winning a lot. No, no, no. This, this I think, eliminates... Like oh, not depending supposed on to remove context, right? And so it's so saying like, that in based on the game script, situations. they would have expected them to run the ball or to pass the ball forty eight percent of the time. They passed it instead. They passed it like sixty something percent of the time, and the the difference in that was the highest in the NFL. So basically, they were a lot higher. Simp- to simplify it, like they were one of the most pass heaviest teams compared to what you'd expect based on the game. But the the larger point though is. It's very it's hard to make get that number in a two week sample because the Ravens literally returned the opening kickoff of this game for a touchdown. They were immediately down seven nothing. The Ravens were up halftime twenty eight to seven. So I I mean the Dolphins kind of played horribly to begin this game, mm-hmm. 
And so I'm kind of torn because it's funny. There were two games like this today, right? Like the Rams. I mean, the Falcons were down 28 to three. Yeah. And then we almost had this like poetic cosmic NFL yeah. exorcism. And I remember thinking this has somehow happened to me twice in one day. I remember thinking, why is Lamar Jackson even in this game at one point? Like it's like 35 to 14. I'm like, should he come <laughs> out? And then the same thing with Cooper Cup, where Cooper Cup, like, I was like, should he be playing? And then he fumbles and actually almost loses them the game. But with Tua, I, I guess I look at the Dolphins as, I feel like Tua, I don't know enough about Formula One, but I guess I would say he's probably like an average, the perception's been like an average, maybe a below average driver. We'll see how good the car is. It seems like the car might be incredible. Maybe he's earned enough yeah. to be like an above average driver. But even that's kind of tough because you look at the list of quarterbacks. I mean, I, I'm sure we'll get like first take tomorrow with like Stephen A. arguing about whether is, is Tua just better than Dak it's already. Gonna be, it's going to be like, is Tua better than Joe Burrow? <laughs> exactly. No, but in reality, I, I think that if you just watch the freaking things, the incredible part. It's, so Nate Tice, I think. Nate Tice, who does the pod with uh, Mays at The Athletic. The, the, what, what this offense has is gravity. It's the gravity that Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle create with their space. And again, if you zoom out, maybe you need a bong rip, but if you zoom all the way out, I, I think that spacing in the NFL, is very much kind of, you think of it like spacing in basketball. The way that Steph Curry, because Steph Curry can like legitimately make a three-pointer if he's open from like 35 <laughs> feet away from the basket, you yeah. have to shift defenders. Like he has a gravity and he pulls defenders toward him. Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle are so fast. They're really, is it fair to say they're two of the five fastest people in the NFL? Like Tyreek's easily number one. Jalen Waddle's in the small, small group of people who are in the quote-unquote running to be two. And when right. they're in the same field together, Nate Tice had a, a, tweeted a screenshot of just Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill running go routes on either side of the field. And there was just no, no defenders for like 20 yards down the field. And then they just threw a screen. And it's like, <laughs> that's, it, 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 it's, that's what it is. So, I'm not trying to take anything away from Tua. Two guys that can tilt the field. Yeah, exactly. It, but yeah. It, to this insane degree. So I'm not trying to take anything away from Tua. I think that it's kind of, I, 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 maybe, I, I wish I had a better analogy, but it's kind of like if you're having a car chase and you just have these two incredible cars, you know what I mean? Well, that's kind of what I, I that's what I was trying to get at, basically, when Craig asked me, is Tua good? I'm like, he's good enough. Like, this is, the way that this offense is cre like put together... Uh, it seems as though he it, like has the arm strength and the accuracy to like get the ball to his playmakers and let them do their thing. I thought it was interesting how Waddle came out of his game like out of the gates, like he was on fire. He had I don't even know what it was, but like he was like way ahead of Tyree Kill, like three quarters of the way through the game, and then all of a sudden Tyree Kill briefly like, left this game. With, yeah. He was cramping up the whole game, Tyreek. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think it is like it's like you were saying, and like Nate was saying, is like just the gravity and the way that they tilt the field. Like when you have two guys that are doing that, like you have to really pick your poison as a defense. And what if both guys are fucking poison? Like it's like very schematically, I think it just makes it so difficult for opposing teams to to work with. So um the other thing I, I will say, since this is a fantasy pod, like it's awesome that they are funneling almost all their targets to these two guys. Um going back in throughout history, I saw this, I think, on Reddit. I found this on Reddit. Their combined 82.1 fantasy points per, uh, sorry, their combined 82.1 PPR points is second only to Jerry Rice and Mike Sherrard's uh, performance in like 1990. Like, so this wow. is like an all time performance from two receivers in a game. Um, I mean, they each had 11 catches, each of them. <laughs> it's amazing. Wait, did so they're also the first pair of teammates in NFL history to both have 10 catches, 
Both of 150 yards and two receiving touchdowns yeah. in the same game. I read that earlier in the pod. You clearly you were on Twitter. No, I thought, did you say that? I did. Okay. <laughs> I wasn't sure. You always get mad at DK for scrolling and I not do. listening. You I just do. got yeah. your pants down. Yeah. What's up now? <laughs> it just wasn't that memorable. Real quick, before we move on from the game, I want to, we, we, do, we do need to, like Craig, you mentioned already, but Lamar Jackson had <laughs> somehow Decent. scored more points than Tua in this game. Um, <laughs> Despite the fact that Tua literally is tied for second all time in like passing touchdowns in a single game. Um, so I thought it was just number one, it's just reassuring to see Lamar Jackson kind of go off like he did because last week he had 213 passing yards and 17 rushing yards. Like that to me is like, that was like, oh God, like maybe we were overestimating kind of like what Lamar can do this year coming in because I think we were all pretty high on him. Uh, coming into the season, but he had 318 yards passing, three touchdowns, nine rushes, 119 yards, and a touchdown, 42.6 fantasy points. He's a QB1 in the week. So uh, just wanted to shout that out. Pay him $300 million, guaranteed. Uh, well, he also gets the Craig's Award for fastest kid alive. Yeah, both, <laughs> the whole, yeah, that whole entire game. His rushing touchdown was erased. His rushing yes. touchdown was so cool. It was the fastest game alive. Lamar only had two touchdowns all last year. Yeah. Did you notice how he almost got caught near the end? And then he was just kind of like toying with the guy. And then the guy yeah. dove and he just kind of like moved his feet. He's like, ha like you can't catch me. Like, that was dude, like me at the end of imagine? all the Fandle reads. Right around when I get to like West Virginia. And I'm just like, just dancing into the end zone. You know, you got it in the bag. Yeah. Like, nah, 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 I, I wish I had the confidence to do literally anything like that. Okay. We got to go to. The losers of the day. Oh. This probably isn't the very nice term, but I mean, Trey Lance for the 49ers. Yeah. So very rough scene. Yeah. Trey Lance broke his ankle. He is out for the season. Uh, I said that word season. I don't know. Sorry. But a lot of people listening to the show have Trey Lance. And we're going to talk about how to replace Trey Lance if you have him on your team. Uh, first, though, we're just going to talk about the 49ers without him. I mean, so Jimmy G came in. Jimmy G, I mean, he played well, like the 49ers won the Seahawks suck. Jimmy G looked happy. Visibly elated, <laughs> prancing around on the sideline. Happy that Lance is hurt, but like, I think Jimmy smiled more in this game than I've ever seen Jimmy smile in a game. It's almost like he knew. He was like signing autographs before the game. Great mood. It really seems like a good dude. Can you imagine if the 49ers had traded him like last week? <laughs> and then this all happened? Like, man. Has a front office move ever aged so well so quickly than them seriously, retaining seriously. Jimmy G? And they made him make, take a pay cut. This is a disaster for the Niners. Like, just pure football here for a second. This is, like, better for them in the short term. Like, if we're being honest, their Super Bowl odds tomorrow, they got they go up, right? Yeah. Like, they're more likely to win the Super Bowl now than they probably were, right? Like, they're a better team purely for 2022. But yes, beyond this yes. year, this is a disaster. Jimmy Garoppolo is an unrestricted free agent next year. Trey Lance is going to go into year three as a, as a NFL player. Having played starts. three games with a broken ankle now. Four starts in the NFL. And the fourth one he played, he didn't even play a quarter in this game. Yeah. He got hurt in the first quarter. So you got a guy really with three NFL games going into his third season. First of all, after next season, he's going to be eligible for a contract extension. He hasn't even played. This, when he go, he's going to, a year from now, he's going to be going into like week one, you know, 50 weeks, whatever. He's going to be going to week one next year. He's 23 games removed from high school. They'll yeah. still have no idea who he is. He'll still have no reps. He still will be adjusting to NFL game speed. And they're going to, and then they're going to go through season. What are they going to do? It, like extend him and commit to him? It's like, do they bring Jimmy Garoppolo back again? Like the oh, fact you even asked not that question. A, not a whole nother summer of this. Please, It's God. hard not to wonder with this, like, here's the irony of all the thing, of all this. If the, if the Niners 
had just stuck with their, you know who got drafted at the original, like they traded up to get Trey Lance. You know who got drafted at the original slot they had? Micah Parsons. That's the guy who was at, imagine if the Niners just had Micah Parsons. You know what I mean? So if you're a Niners fan, this is tough. I mean, yeah, I imagine it's probably like a weird feeling right now because like you said, that actually may be good for them in the short term in terms of he's like a veteran presence. He's done it before. Like he has the... Uh, the respect of the of his teammates in the locker room, all this stuff, like that's actually what you're looking for. Um, Trey Lance was a mystery box, really, going forward. Um, Turns out the mystery box was not a boat. <laughs> yeah, but it is extremely tough. Like Heifetz, you you touched on it a little bit, like, but the big worry and the big concern coming in with Trey Lance was like his lack of playing experience, his lack of like total passes in his entire career going back to college like he just hadn't thrown that many passes didn't have that much experience he missed a season because of covid um or whatever like there was that like all that uh affected his like ability yeah. to get a bunch of experience coming into the nfl um i mean you saw the same thing with uh like for instance jordan love um but yeah it's just i don't know like that it, again it just pushes everything forward a year it makes it so much different, d- difficult for them to evaluate him and build around and know whether they want to build around him, whether they want to make him the long term answer. It's just tough. Plus, the irony of all this was that they, they gave up like two future first rounders. For they this basically guy. used if you used a pick to take a player, they basically used three first round picks to take Lance. The irony of all this was they did it mostly because Jimmy Garoppolo was not always available. And now Jimmy's available and Trey Lance is not. Speaking of which, Trey Lance is also not available for fantasy purposes. And. Now, if you have a lot of people I know listening to this have Trey Lance, now you have to replace him. And I mean, it's kind of nuts if you look at the quarterbacks available, like who's actually playing well. We mentioned Tua. I mean, the list of quarterbacks, we were talking about it. It's actually just we're giving them all the Brandon Cooks Award. It's just a bunch of players we don't want to admit are good. <laughs> like, DK, should people add Carson Wentz to replace Trey Lance? I mean, yes, I would have a hard time telling them not to at this point. I mean, he is, I think, after two seasons, after two weeks, he's the QB2 in fantasy. So, yes, add him. I think if he's still out there, he's definitely like one of the top guys to to uh, potentially add. Um, I don't think I don't think there's going to like keep going in this like exact trajectory. I don't think Carson Wentz is going to be the overall fantasy QB2 this season. You don't? No, I don't. Um, okay. But <laughs> I think the <laughs> bottom line is, though, like he's looked a lot better than I expected. Uh, importantly and crucially, he has a pretty damn good skill position group around him. Like we were texting during the games, like Jahan Dotson, Curtis Samuel. We're like, are these two guys actually better than McLaurin? We were kind of saying it like, you know, tongue in cheek or a little, or whatever, because McLaurin did end up having a pretty good game. But like, this is a very good fantasy or this is a very good skill player group around him to support him, make things easier. And the defense is awful, which is good because they keep <laughs> falling behind. They were down 22 to zero, and that's really what it is. I don't even think Carson Wentz looked that good. It's almost like one drive, they look atrocious and punt after like a horrendous three and out. And then the next drive, he throws a deep ball, and one of them comes down with it, and then they're in the red zone, and it works out. Like, it's really not any beautiful style of play. It's not fun to watch at all. We have another award that's like, just wait, just check the box score. Like, that is also Carson Wentz. You can't watch any of it, but by the end of the day, this stat line will actually look decent. The defense is sustainably bad, right? It's not just like a fluke bad. It's like, no, the, the Washington defense is awful. Which is weird because they have a lot of talented players. But they don't, they, though. They've like, got Chase some Young injuries right now. Yeah, they've got a lot of injuries right now, so that's tough. And Jack Dorea is an abysmal defensive coordinator. <laughs> yeah. The, so if we just look at the whole season right now, so Carson Wentz is, um, I mean, it depends what, le- what site you use. Carson Wentz is actually, he's rostered like more than half of leagues. Tua is as well. So let's say that they're both taken. Who's next? I mean, Jared Goff? 
I know. I was just gonna. I was gonna run down the list of like the top ten quarterbacks this week, um, or or whatever. But like Tua's up there. Obviously, he's number two. Carson Wentz is number three. Joe Flacco, number five. Unreal. Jared Goff, number six. Joe Flacco's <laughs> over a hundred passes in two weeks. Joe Flacco, I, I, I'm pretty sure has the same amount of passes in the first two weeks of the season that Trey Lance has in his entire career. Oh my god! Wow. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, that is weird. So Flacco like, had 300 yards, four touchdowns today, no picks. <laughs> Wait, you you add him, right? People like, were talking about him, him getting benched too. People like I think there was a big contingent of Jets fans who want him benched, <laughs> or at least before they did before the fourth quarter of this last week. All right, how about we like sleep on this? So we're gonna do our, our waiver show tomorrow. Let us sleep on it before one of us punch drunkenly suggests to like <laughs> recommends Jared Goff. Because, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, what's our next award here, Craig? Uh, it's the, I'm pretty bummed I drafted Tom Brady in the only year of his career he's fucking washed. <laughs> I waited 20 years to draft this man, and he sucks now. Craig, he's been good in fantasy for like, forever. Almost, li- literally almost your whole life. Oh, yes. yeah. <laughs> Every year you have like conscious This thoughts. is the year you drafted him. Well, he like, when did he, like, he, he got drafted when I was like five. <laughs> And he, he uh, was like uh, the number two quarterback in fantasy last year, led the league in touchdowns, and he's been terrible. He has 20 points through both games this year. 20 points crazy. in two games. Last year at this point, he had 58. <laughs> I, I know like the Bucks are a dumpster fire, you but You could have just had Joe Flacco. I could have just had Joe Flacco or Jared Goff or Carson Wentz or Tua, I guess. And yeah, it's, it's just Who it's had a more massive points bummer. in the fourth quarter today than Brady has in the season? I've literally never had Tom Brady on a fantasy team because I think since he was like 38, I was like, eh, it's this, he's this is getting last older year. now. Yeah, he's going <laughs> to fall off a cliff. Yes. Now you waited until he was 45 fucking years old and he missed like three weeks of training camp. Relatively cheap in an auction draft. <laughs> and I was like, fuck it. I got Brady now. <laughs> this is so fantasy. I want in on some of the fun and he's been, he's been miserable. He's like throwing it 28 times a game. He has no receivers. His offensive line's a mess. I love Craig. By the way, this is how fantasy poisons our mind. You're like the Tampa Bay. I said the exact same thing when we were talking pre-show. Like the Bucks are a dumpster fire. That are they're also two and zero. They're two and zero. Like yeah. they've won both games. They beat Dak Prescott and then they beat the Saints. And it's like, <laughs> I just think it's so funny. But like it is. It's I have the exact same experience. Like I finally waited. I'm like, okay, I went on Brady this year finally. But like, I've never I had. Really, yeah, I really should have not been because the offensive line injuries, the receiver injuries. I do think it will get better as the year goes on, but man, it is grim. It literally has to. It can't get much worse. He throws to like 100. Oh, well, it could get worse. He's like Andy he Dalton right now. What are you talking about? He gets. <laughs> he he's averaging 10. In, well, okay, I guess he could retire. He's already done on Wednesdays. <laughs> if he's on the field, I don't think it can get much worse than Tom Brady averaging 10 fantasy points a game. If it's Topi so literal. Jesus. But imagine how low stakes <laughs> literal doctor hyphens. <laughs> literal doctor. God, dude. <laughs> He's all right. Imagine how like fit, relatively low stakes this is in fantasy because you can just, you could probably just get a quarterback easier. This is why psychologically we've just always been afraid to get Kelsey or Derrick Henry in the last couple of years just because it's like, man. Yeah. You just get the only year of Travis Kelsey's career that he's bad. I'm going to, my first, I think I have my first tattoo of the season, my first memento tattoo that I'm going to remind myself in, in 11 months. I'm going to say, if the guy is at a point in his career where there's a chance he f- completely falls off a cliff, don't draft that guy. There's plenty of other guys who have the same upside who don't have the risk of completely falling off a cliff. Well, don't draft him as if it's impossible. Yes. Yes. Okay. We're going to get, <laughs> right now we got the Cooper Cup Award for the player you wish you had drafted more of. 
Dude, Amon Ross St. Brown, he's the league winner. Seriously. Like, the, he is the league winner. I, he I, is the Cooper Cup of this year. He is the Cooper Cup. He's not He's not going to have the triple crown, but, like, he is the guy. He is the middle-round receiver that has left. In He is an elite player now. Like, he is a top 10 wide receiver. And when I say top 10, I mean it's Cooper Cup and Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, and Devontae Adams, and Stephon Diggs. And, like, Amon Ross St. Brown's on that freaking list. Yep. A cup, like, he's he is there. And, like, get used to it. Play, in, the, in real life, we'll see. Fantasy, 100%. Player, he, uh, here is a list of players in NFL history who have eight straight games with eight catches. It's Antonio Brown. It's Michael Thomas. It's Amon West St. Brown. That's the list. He might be good, turns out. I will give you another list. Every player in NFL history who have had eight catches and a touchdown in six straight games. So it's eight catches and a touchdown in six straight games. It's literally just Amon West St. Brown. Oh, he's so good. He's the first player ever. And the Lions in general are just a bit more of a frisky offensive fantasy team than I think, and real life team, than I think any of us really expected. Yeah, I think I there was a picture, there was a world in which you could picture them being really good because their offensive line is coming together and like is pretty good. Um, they're, they're obviously can like really get push in the run game. But I mean, when you have an elite offensive line or like a really good offensive line, at least a pretty good run game, and then a quarterback like Jared Goff, who has produced pretty big numbers in the past, now he has like a bunch of weapons um, in the passing game. Like, I don't know. I, I feel like maybe we should have like seen this coming a little bit more, but it is the Lions. And so, uh, yeah, I think you just kind of like get anchored to the history or, or, or whatever of the recent years with the Lions. But man, um, yeah, Amon Ross St. Brown, he's averaging like 25 points a game in his last eight games. That's like he has 12 targets. Insanely again. elite. Yeah. The whole thing with Amon Ross was the final six, eight weeks, depending on how you count. He basically was a top two receiver. It was like him and Cooper Cup and Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase. It was like he was in that group and everything and the targets. And everyone's like, well, Hawkinson got hurt and DeAndre Swift came back and or it was going to so like it won't be the same. I have to, we didn't talk about him a ton on the pod, but like our ranking, if you use the fantasy football dot ringer.com rankings, we had Amon Ross really high. And hope, I mean, hopefully you have him. I mean, he has 24 targets this season. <laughs> like Jamar Chase awesome. is 25. Jamar Chase, they played all overtime. The Bengals have been down in both games. Like he is that level. And so it's kind of crazy how he's exactly as good as he was last year when even the most high people that you could possibly find, like the most optimistic Lions fans you could find, were probably not going to say, yeah, he'll be exactly as good last year. And he's exactly as good as he was last year. Yep. He basically has the exact same amount of points as Cooper Cup this season so far. And this Lions team is Jamison Williams coming back in the second half of the year. Field stretcher, gravity, like we were talking about with the uh, with the Dolphins. I don't know. This is exciting. Um, the other guy I wanted to throw into this list is Christian Kirk of the Jags. Yeah. Who is, with Monday Night Football is still pending, but as of now, he is the wide receiver five in FPPR. He's averaging 22.8 points per game. Um 18 targets, 12 catches, 195 yards, two touchdowns total this year. He, uh, he had six catches this uh, this week for two, and 78 yards and two touchdowns. Um, he has a 26% target rate this season. Uh, he is exactly what we thought he'd be and hoped he'd be. Um, probably actually a lot better. Um, so that's exciting. And I think this is, I'm not going to say it's going to be repeatable all throughout the season, but I do think like a 23, 24% target rate is like very realistic. So I imagine he's still going to get a ton of uh, production going forward. Yeah, he's just the number one in an offense that is competent now, and there's not a ton of weapons on that team, and it makes sense that. I don't see a scenario in which he doesn't command close to double-digit targets every single game. Yeah, I think coming into the season, we were like, why is this guy going so late? He was the wide receiver 40 in ADP, um, and we were all like, 
he was, I think, a, a popular sleeper for all of us this year. And so uh, it's definitely cool to see it all panning out. Je- uh, just, or, sorry, Trevor Lawrence looks pretty good, especially relative to last year. It's just amazing how much of a difference good coaching can make. The next award here is the Arrested Development. It's the I Have the Worst Fucking Attorneys <laughs> Award. <laughs> Uh, which I, dude, some of these coaches, man, look, I, I always seriously do try to come from the perspective of like, all these coaches know a lot about football. Like, like actually true. They've forgotten more about football than like, I will know like that. I actually believe that it's a hundred percent true. Having said that, I also think that sometimes you can know so much that it's difficult to synthesize very important, uh, things in the moment, perhaps, you know what I mean? Like, (laughs) you know, it doesn't always, as my mom would say, smart, smart, stupid. Holy shit, man. Nate Hackett for the Broncos. Oh, my God. So, like, obviously, Nate Hackett for Denver. He's under a ton of heat this week. Obviously, everyone saw Monday Night Football, and, like, he chooses to do a 64-yard field goal instead of just having Russell Wilson go for it on fourth and five. It, the odds were basically a, he chose a 4.5% option over 45%. Whatever. He admitted the next day that it was a mistake. Okay, you make a mistake. It's your first game. Whatever it is what it is. I actually think what he did this week was worse. I really do. Like, they were the Broncos are on the goal line. They have fourth and goal with the one. Hackett decides to go for it. Changes his mind since the field goal unit on. But because he took so long, they, the field goal unit got a delay of game. <laughs> and it's like, all right, wh- whatever. They go from the one to the six. Who cares? It doesn't matter, right? They make the field goal anyway. They do it again later. They did the same thing. Like he sends the he he's like uh he's like waffling. And he, he's the head coach and the play caller. And he sends and then he changes his mind, runs the field goal unit on. And they get to lay a game again. But this time it turned like a 52-yard field goal into a 57. And then they punted because he took so long. I, it's like, it, I realize <laughs> he's the kombucha girl. Every time they have to go for it or not now, because everyone just shamed him. He's like, eh, ooh. He's like, uh, I, I, should I, 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 do I, do I want to go? No, 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 no. <laughs> field, goal. field goal. Well, I have never, ever, maybe this is more of a college football thing, maybe. Now, obviously, you know, like in the NBA or whatever, like fans will just like sh- like shout the wrong shot clock. Yeah. Like at the opposing team. Mm-hmm. The Broncos fans were yelling the correct game clock at Russell Wilson and the Broncos because they had the delay of games. Have you guys ever seen this? I've never no. seen I can't remember ever seeing this. Your own fans yelling down the five, four. I've never in my life for your own team at home. But do you, th- I, I almost think they, do you think they were genuinely trying to help or were they like passive aggressively <laughs> insulting their own think? team? What do you think, Craig? 70,000 drunk people just being like, they need us. Well, this is like it, last <laughs> Come week on, they were guys. running the play clock down to like one every fucking play. And that was a big part of the reason that they like messed up a couple of plays against the Seahawks. And then this year, this week, same deal. It was just like. Somebody needs to like make a decision, get in there and call the play and run the freaking play because this is ridiculous. Well, that's the thing. They lead the league already in delay of games and false starts. But you're right, DK. It's, <laughs> this is the Russell Wilson thing where it, you know what? Honestly, it's we, we made this joke, but it's really true. When Russell Wilson came to Denver and said, tempo, tempo, we want to play his pace. It's really like aspirational the same way when you set an alarm like an hour earlier than you know you're going to get out of bed. It's like a New Year's resolution. Yes, you're like, we're going <laughs> to yeah. play a pace this year. No, you're not. But the Broncos fans are just getting used to this. And they're just like, you see the delay of game twice. And then every time it ticks down, you're worrying like, oh, my God, are they going to do it again? Well, that was what I was saying to you guys. Like during the game, it was like, welcome to the Russell Wilson experience, Denver fans. Like this is the exact same shit that we've been dealing with for the last, last 10 years. It's like he plays three quarters of a game, looks like dog shit. And then 
pulls magic out of like his ass in the fourth quarter to win the game. And that's basically what happened here um, in this game. I, he, he did make a, good, a couple of good throws to like give them the win. But for the most part, like he just looked completely lost. Like there was a point in the game where he was like, I think he had like six completions at halftime or something ridiculous. He looked terrible. I mean, he was 14 for 31 on the day. Yeah. Here's the, here's the Rough. thing. I feel like the Seahawks with Russell Wilson, once the Legion of Boom disintegrated, there was all this consternation of like, well, is it Russ's fault for the way he plays or is it be Carroll for his style of football? And it reminds me of a couple that like maybe you're friends with a couple and it's just like, it's just not going well. And you hear things about both sides and you're like, oh. and then they break up and there's time and then they're with other people and you're like, they're, oh, and you're like, oh, they're both individually toxic and they were just <laughs> together. Yeah, and I look at Russ, and I'm like, Russ is toxic. Like, Ru- like Russ, like obviously Russ's style of play is just all two games in. We're like, this is the way it is. And then you look at the Seahawks, and you're like, they put four running backs in the fucking field at the same time, and then had one of them throw. <laughs> and he threw a pick, and I'm <laughs> like, neither of you deserve. Like, it was both of your fault. Obviously, <laughs> they're both crazy. Yeah, dude, the Seahawks Jeez. did that twice in a row. What? The, what? Are, Dude, yeah, oh, they, had, under, they had four running backs on the field, and I don't even know what happened to the first play. And then the second one, he threw the pick right to the linebacker. It's so ironic that like Pete Ball is all about running the ball, controlling the clock, not turning it over, like making the other team essentially shoot themselves in a foot. They put four running backs on the field and ran it, and they still threw a pick. Too much. Too less. <laughs> too much. It, too less. Too Sorry, they didn't run it. They tried to throw a pass, but like, yeah. It feels like a like a bad joke about Pete Carroll that he would put oh four God. running backs on the field and have one of them throw. Anyway, speaking of bad coaching, we don't have to go in all into the Cardinals and stuff, but I do just have to quick, while we're talking about delay games, The I have never, I, I can't remember the last time I felt so such a, a shift in my feeling about a particular game, but the Arizona Cardinals game, I feel like Kyler Murray showed everything in this game about like why he went first overall. Kyler Murray just still looks like he's playing in high school. But Cliff Kingsbury, the fact that Cliff Kingsbury got a contract extension with Steve Kime, Cliff Kingsbury, I've I, this is like malpractice. <laughs> they had a two-point conversion for the game. And then the other team, they took a timeout, and then the Cardinals got to delay a game. Yeah, that was... That you, was... Get a delay, you get to delay a game for the out game. of a timeout? Yeah. Oh, also, I the two-point conversions, they believe it or not, they have that all written down beforehand. They got a list. They're not just trying to think like it's mad and you're like, oh, what should we run here? They just have a list of plays. And they just, uh, you, I, I, I don't know. It's literally inexplicable to come out of a timeout and get a delay a game with the game on the line. And yet they still get it, which is exactly who the Cardinals are. <laughs> and then are. they got it. Yeah. Because, hey, Kyler, go do some shit. But speaking of, there was, uh, this is not about Cliff anymore. I just want to like vent a little bit about the camera work in this Cardinals game. Did you guys, were you guys watching this game closely? There was like, every time Kyler started scrambling, the, that, the cameraman took that as like license to just slowly, like dramatically zoom in. Like, yeah. And then yeah, the longer that he scrambled, like the fucking closer the camera got to Kyler. And by the time Kyler like actually passed the line of scrimmage, it was like they can't even keep up with Kyler because he's like running around so fast. Zoom out, my my friend. Just zoom out. I want to see more than two players. You know, think about this. I was furious. Before you (laughs) slander the cameraman, think about this. Every cameraman who's who's shooting an NFL game, 
every single one of those guys wanted to be Roger Deakins, and now they're now they're shooting NFL <laughs> this games. This is my moment. I was gonna say the last thing in the world <laughs> I was thinking while Kyler was running around for two different two point conversions. First of all, he ran eighty five yards, and next time they tracked him, he ran yeah. eighty five yards to get the two yards. So I was saying, by the time he was like on yard eighty, like you could literally could not see other players. I wasn't was worried. Just what Kyler. I wasn't thinking about the cinematography. Maybe email us at ringerfantasyfootballgmail.com. Oh my god, it was driving me insane. I'm like, I want to see where the other fucking players are doing. So we wanted to add a little spice. Maybe he wasn't ready for Kyler to run 85 yards in the backfield. Just, you don't have to do anything. Just fucking keep, just take your finger off of the zoom button and you'll be fine. How dare you reduce his job to a zoom button? <laughs> I, I can't believe this is ridiculous to me. What a no, ridiculous complaint. So, dude, I, oh my God. And then by the time Kyler was ready to throw the football, he can't keep up with where the ball is because he's zoomed in so far. You know, that's called suspense. Some people call that suspense, DK, that he was building. <laughs> Isn't storytelling just about what information you don't, you know, reveal in the beginning? He's an auteur. I'd love it if there was one NFL cameraman who just like, did. They, he just had carte blanche. He could just film it however he wanted. And you're like, <laughs> yeah. oh shit. Well, we got, like, this one's in black and white. All right. <laughs> yeah, well, that's sick. We got whip zooms. <laughs> Serena Williams's last game, like you could tell that they were having such fun editing it because the last point they kept cutting to Spike Lee filming it on his iPhone, who is obviously like the coolest person you can do. And Spike Lee was like setting up a shot. I'm like, wow, what a meta like camera person porn moment they had right there. I want cross dissolves. Let's 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 get frisky. <laughs> Good lord. Um, honestly, the Cardinals are cross dissolving. That's honestly what's happening in Arizona. Nice. Okay, they won. Go to the panic. If they button. won the game, by the way. By the everybody. way, I would like to oh, point yeah, out they, they won. The <laughs> All right, but they did. That's different. It's like they Tom Brady. Like, Tom Brady fucking sucks. We have, we're fucking poisoned by fantasy brain. They no, won the game. no, that's real brain. <laughs> My dad hates fantasy so much because we. I totally. I, I like stopped rooting for the Steelers if they, I had the guy on the other team. My dad's like, you don't even want the Steelers to win. You just want Stefan no Diggs to loyalty. catch a touchdown. <laughs> like I'm down six, Dad. <laughs> I you never hear me. So panic button, Craig's dad is pressing panic button on Craig. Just yeah, generally. panic button award. I'm I'm giving it to two guys, two running backs. Najee Harris, which, you know, we we saw this coming. The canary in the coal mine was his foot injury like a week before the season started. And then the rest of the Steelers offense um, has been kind of a disaster. And, and Najee's not playing as much, which is a huge problem. Like his whole thing was he got like Christian McCaffrey level usage. He was on the field like 90 plus percent of the time. And now that's just not the case. Um, he's getting like 75% of the running back carries. Like Jalen Warren, the rookie's getting mixed in a little bit more. The Steelers also don't score points, uh, which is a huge problem. They don't move the ball down the field. Najee Harris has 72 rushing yards this season. Their offensive line is really bad. And he's got nine points week one fantasy, and he put up 11 points today. He had a decent day receiving, and maybe that'll give him a floor. But I am reticent to ever rank Najee Harris in like the top 15 at running back any given week moving forward your take purge about how he's just slow quickly turning into david montgomery that Which is didn't age well because david montgomery looked great tonight <laughs> I was gonna but say. like the idea of david well montgomery. for the wrong reason <laughs> david montgomery looks better when we rank a player like you just put him like here's x it's like it's not just a ranking right like this is a very boring conversation but it's like a range of outcomes you're like well he could do this and he could do that and then there's like a whole bunch of likelihood in the middle this is kind of the worst case scenario for Najee's range of outcomes. Like outside of him just actively getting hurt, him kind of pass, like him being hurt enough that they're like, whoa, 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 we got to play him less mixed with, yep, the offensive line is in fact worse. And yeah, Mitchell Trubisky is the worst starter in the NFL by a lot. And I, I, I wish I had updated the stat. Last week, 
I think the most representative stat about the Steelers is that Trubisky in week one, the Steelers had the fewest yards to their wide receivers of any wide receiving group in the NFL, even though they played five quarters, which is concerning. <laughs> and I, I didn't update that for this week, but like I assume they're still last because... I mean, they had like 95 yards for a receiving group total. The Steelers again. have scored two touchdowns this year. Like they can't move the ball. <laughs> like They're they, the new Giants. They, they are. They can't. Like they. Here's the thing. We had this whole argument before the season about whether Kenny Pickett would play. And like I was very much like, I don't think he will. At this point, they're between a rock and a hard place. It's like the only reason you don't bring Kenny Pickett in soon is because you're worried that the team is so bad they'll stunt him. But like the Steelers are not the Steelers. Like we, we always talk about Mike Thomas never had a losing season. If the Steelers stick with Trubisky, they're going to have a losing season. Like they yeah. literally s escape by the skin of their teeth because they had five turnovers. In a because TJ Watt and Minka Fitzpatrick went out of their body, but TJ Watt's hurt. They had to block an extra point. Extra points don't fucking get blocked. And they had five turnovers. And they and they still they really should have lost the game anyway. The Steelers, I don't actually think the Steelers will beat anybody until they bench Trubisky again. So like honestly, do you think that Mason, even like Mason Rudolph, could be doing better at this point? No, no. <laughs> I don't. I think okay. Mason I think Rudolph that Matt Canada worse. is the problem. I also I'm doing the NFL show on Fridays with Stephen Reeves and Ben Solak. I do think that this offense. If I, I'll say anything nice about Roethlisberger, maybe it's like I get why I didn't want to do any of this shit because yeah, <laughs> it's like, I, I don't, what the hell? Uh, but no, the Steelers, it's, Najee is just like the main, you know, Deontay Johnson just looks incredible, but like. I know. I, yeah, he looks really good. It's it's really concerning for everybody in Pittsburgh. And then Chase Edmonds too. Chase Edmonds from Miami, I mean. That's the other panic button. I mean, we all thought he was going to be kind of the Elijah Mitchell role for the Niners. And not just Elijah Mitchell, quote unquote, pass catching back. When you're down four touchdowns, that's where Chase Edmonds, in theory, should be coming into play. And he had one catch today, and Raheem Mostert had three, and Raheem Mostert more than doubled his carries. Raheem Mostert played more snaps. Um, last week, there was a lot of like promising underlying numbers with Edmonds in terms of like snap rate, routes, uh, you know, short down and distance, long down and distance, all that type of stuff. It looked promising. And then today they came out, they were getting killed the entire game and he was non-existent. He had one like 25 yard scamper at the end of the game that kind of saved his stat line. Not that it's that great. It's still pretty ugly, to be honest. But like I, Chase Edmonds is also now borderline unstartable in fantasy football. I feel like he'll, pr I'm sure he's going to like, tether ball back around because as soon as we buy in a Raheem Mostert, the reality is Raheem Mostert might just have more juice than him. But the moment Raheem Mostert gets hurt, we're going to come back around and be like Chase Edmonds. But until then, I mean, it's very difficult to trust the, the theoretical pass catching back that doesn't catch passes when you're down three touchdowns. It's going to be a crapshoot every week. You, you have no idea when he's going to have a good game or he's not. Yeah. Mostert is like the starter now. I mean, he had 11 he is the starter. rushes for 51 yards. And he had more targets and uh, catches. Right, they have the yeah. same they have the same amount of targets, but Mostert had three catches. Super tough. All right, next award here. Yeah, so this one's called the Dead Dove. I don't know what I was expecting. Award. <laughs> Arrested Development every time. Yeah, so Jason Bateman's character in Arrested Development. There's a tiny little scene. They do these like little vignettes at the end of the episode, and it's I forget the context, but he opens the freezer and there's a brown paper bag labeled "Dead Dove Do Not Eat." The context is Job is a magician. Right. Oh, yes. And he uses them that's for his dove tricks. Like the, that's right. So, but he sees Do not eat underlined. It says dead dove, do not eat in like bold black letters. And Jason Bateman pulls it out, opens it up, just looks in it and goes, 
I don't know what I was expecting. <laughs> and it's a fucking dead dumb in there. That was me when I saw reports this morning that Jameis Winston has four fractures in his back, but is going to play. I just immediately bet the Bucks spread. I was going to keep this to myself. I actually did a spit. I, I was drinking water. I spit out my water over my living room because Jay Glazer. <laughs> spit take. Jay Glazer's on Fox. And he just says, yeah, so Jameis Winston. So he's got four fractures in his back. He's going to play today. No further risk. Of it. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, I I No would, further risk? I, <laughs> How is that possible? It's not possible. Uh, they scored 10 points and he had three interceptions. And I was like, well, I don't know what I was expecting. <laughs> if I have four fractures in my back, I'm taking workers comp. I'm not coming back to this podcast. <laughs> Never mind going up against like Tampa Bay's defense. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't have invested money uh, in the Bucks spread any faster after reading that. Well, also, wait, also, Joe, because this is the science of Joe, he buy what happens? He buys the dove at the store and like puts it in his, Doesn't like, he squish coat. it? Well, no, and then he goes out the door, but it, it's, it, it's a, it's a, uh, a pull, not a push. So he like crushes the dove <laughs> against the door immediately. And he turns around and like, what's your return policy? <laughs> The best joke is when he, I always love when he like tries to pull off a trick in front of people and he tries to like make fire, but instead just lighter fluid flies out of his wrist. And then he goes, where'd the lighter fluid come from? (laughs) My favorite bit that whole show, I know that we're getting on a tangent here, but it's like when he constantly shoots pennies at like the board members at their company and they all like frenetically like try and grab the pennies. <laughs> no, no, but then it's like he tries to like dra- Job dramatically threw the letter into the ocean and then keeps blowing back and he oh, can't yeah. get the letter into the water because the wind. Job. Oh. The uh, best. Wait, while we're on the Saints Bucks, the other thing, I can't believe we haven't mentioned this yet. This, Mike Evans and Marshawn Lattimore got in a fight. Yeah, that's also the dead dove. Of course they did. <laughs> I don't know what, what I was expecting. Was I expecting? <laughs> Dude, that thing. Also, I love that. You know what's nice is I feel like football used to be more like this. And then, you know, soft uh, beta millennials like Craig and I started playing fantasy football. But, but like now, this is, it's just these guys fucking hate each other. They really And it's kind of nice that there's a little bit of this left. And honestly, I haven't always loved Mike Evans over the year. I like Marshall Latimer. Was he like grabbing Brady by the jersey? It looked like they were kind of like, in each other's grill, but talking shit to him. Yeah. Talk about having your guys back. Mike Evans saw sprinted over and just rocked Decked Lattimore <laughs> to the ground. And then they just got in a fight and the ref was like, what are you doing? And then later when it broke up, Evans was like, that's Tom Brady. What do you want me to do? And I was like, I love that. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Like he's done this so many times. He knows the consequences and he just doesn't care. Look, Lattimore's job is to take Mike Evans out of the game. <laughs> I guess he did that. <laughs> Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected. Subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Think about all the stuff you can do now on Sundays after the Super Bowl's over. Adventurous activities. You need a Hyundai to get you there. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure with features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive. You can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck 
in the great outdoors. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. The next award here is, uh, we have the Market Correction Award. Uh, it's a, this is a rewatchables category. That's not even a rewatchables category. It's a rewatchables Term. topic that they sometimes bring up when, it, when a young actor comes and kind of steals the role of another actor and, and kind of steals their career. This is happening currently on the Jets with the rookie Garrett Wilson and the second-year receiver, Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore was the guy last year. Mm. He had a great second half of the season. He had... Uh, very high expectations coming into this year from most fantasy analysts. Like all of his like underlying numbers, he was like a very fantasy expert friendly player. And then Garrett Wilson steps in and has just been flat out better. Uh, Garrett Wilson had 26 points today, fantasy points. He had 100 yards, two touchdowns. Elijah Moore had 41 yards. Uh, Elijah Moore is fifth on the Jets and targets and Garrett Wilson's first. I mean, like that's the whole, that's all it is right there. I have to do a little toot toot here. Toot toot for Owen Horn. We did the NFL draft show and Danny Kelly was, I think the biggest disagreement we had in the entire NFL draft show was that Danny Kelly insisted that Garrett Wilson was the best receiving prospect in this year's <laughs> draft class. DK, I have to give you your props. I know it's two games. Victory lap after two games. Two games, victory lap, it's over. (laughs) You did it. (laughs) We won. We just stopped watching. But I have to say, Garrett Wilson, whatever all the superlatives, adjectives people have said about Kadarius Tony, take that and then imagine if the guy could play a full game. It's a great call. Dude, I was telling you, I think I even said that, like he has the Kadarius Tony suddenness. Yeah. But he's like got way better body control and everything. It's like he brought shoes to work. You know, yeah, that too. It's like he's not running in socks. I, I no, Garrett Wilson looks incredible. Like I love, I love Garrett Wilson. I think he's like he was my number one rated receiver coming in. Like I think he's really talented. I just honestly didn't see it happening this fast because he was kind of buried in the preseason behind a bunch of different guys. And of course, this is like the old Justin Jefferson story. Like J- Justin Jefferson started behind BC Johnson like first two games and then still had a historic rookie season. I don't know if that's going to happen here, but like. Again, it just felt like he was buried and he wasn't really making any headway getting into the starting lineup. And all of a sudden, he has like a 22% target share on the season already. Uh, obviously, a lot of that had to do with today, um, you know, where he had, you know, so many targets this week. But how many did he end up having? It was like 15 45? or 45? Yeah. Um, today he had 14 targets. 14 targets. That's so fun. obviously, that's like, you know, this is a small sample still, but he looks really good. Like he passes the eye test for sure. He, um, the, no, the, the passes the eye test is, is ridiculous. No, it, he. It's like it's like a 98 on the eye test. Like there's this yeah. mix of like speed, acceleration, and then just agility. Mm-hmm. And there needs to we need a stat. And un, like we need pro football focus. We need tr- true media. We need a stat of like when a receiver gets put in a situation with like a two on one with two defenders and him in open field. Yeah, yeah. And neither of them neither of them touch him. 
Just the Houdini metric. He had like three of those where I'm like, did anyone touch him on this play? And like Lamar had that when he came into the league. Tyreek Hill had that come into the league. And like we saw that from Kadarius Tony in the seven quarters of his career where he's been healthy. But like Garrett Wilson, I just shot props to you, DK. Like I am, you were right. When you know, you know. Like the second yes. I saw, I, I felt the same <laughs> way with Kadarius Tony. Like the first time I saw them catch like a 20 yard pass and make a guy miss, I was like, oh, he's, he's going to be good. Man. So we just don't need to watch any of these players again. So like, send him right to the Hall of Fame. Uh, we did as we will we'll send you as well. All the rookies <laughs> did really well. All the rookie, all, like, all the rookie receivers are kind of doing like Drake London was really good for the Falcons yeah. today. Yeah. So yeah, I was going to give a shout out to uh, the kids. The kids are all right. Award rookies that did a lot of good stuff today. So number one, Drake London, as you said, 12 targets, eight catches, 81 yards, a touchdown, plus a two point conversion. He had 20 points and half PPR. Um, John Dotson, again, with another nice touchdown this week. I think, and I, I'd have to go back and watch the tape, but it looked like a very similar play to ha he had a touchdown in week one, like basically where he kind of, you know, went across the formation um, near the goal line and, and uh, Wentz just kind of lobbed it to him over the middle and he just went up and got it. Like, he's really he's good. He's baby DeAndre Hopkins. <laughs> I, well, he sure, is. yeah. He's got great hands. I guess maybe is that what you mean? Like, he, he could just pluck yeah. the ball. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm not trying to say he's going to be DeAndre Hopkins. I'm saying that, like, like the mini me version of the way, well, not really mini me because they're very similar size, but like DeAndre, the way DeAndre Hopkins, like that Hail Mary he had, you just know what I mean? Where goes he goes up and plucks it. Yeah, he caught it from Kyler Murray. Like, like Jahan Dotson's that kind of player. Yeah. And then Chris, uh, Chris Olave, 13 targets. He had five catches for 80 yards. I think he had something like 380 air yards, something absolutely ludicrous, which is um, great because this is what we were talking about before the season. Like Jameis Winston loves to huck it down the field. Chris Olave loves to get deep, really good speed. Um, and that's a pretty remarkable number. Uh, air yards is the distance the ball travels to get to the receiver on every single target. And mm -hmm. it, I mean, 300, I think it was 365 yards. That three and a half football field, the ball <laughs> traveled. That, well, yeah. Ian Hart had said Pro Football Focus tweeted that out, and I thought that was a joke. I thought he was kidding. <laughs> I thought you were joking. Yeah, I had to confirm it with like four other sources just to make sure he wasn't like messing with us. That is, I've never heard of a, anything even close to that. He showed his potential. Obviously, he didn't turn it into complete production here, but I think he's trending in the right direction. As like he also, but again, Saints got crushed and lost. Like I feel like we keep doing this. Like the Saints, <laughs> yeah. just, he was immensely disappointing. If you were a Saints fan watching this game, sure, sure, sure. Um, moving on, Damian Pierce. Okay, he's back to being the <laughs> starter after Week One. Like, dude, this is uh, he looked really good too. Fifteen uh, rushes, sixty-nine yards. Um, Didn't Damian Pierce get seventeen of the first eighteen snaps at running back this week after Rex did. Burkhead got literally every single one in overtime one week ago? Like, what was Lovey Smith doing in Week One? What's the point? There's literally nothing coaches like more than outsmarting themselves. Like that is the prerequisite for being a coach. Is I need to figure out one way in which I can outsmart myself today. And that was like, what? after everything we've seen from Pierce during the preseason and practice and training camp, he decides to just like say, oh shit, I'm going to play Rex Burkhead the entire fucking time. Like what the hell happened there? Uh, and then they went back to it. No, this it, week. I've come to the opposite conclusion. It's actually the coaches are the same as fantasy football. It's just like, I don't want to look stupid. It's the same reason. They're cowards. Like, it's the same way. It's the same way where like we maybe are a little hesitant to draft a rookie because I'm like. You know, Drake London, his player picture isn't even up on the on the website yet. I'm gonna put yeah, him but in I'm, week one. But like Lovey Smith is watching Damian Pierce every single day in practice. We're not. <laughs> That's the difference. Yeah, but if Lovey Smith looks stupid, people will actually notice. <laughs> uh, people do we got a lot of listeners. People people notice when we're stupid. Don't, don't worry about that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh and then our boy Daniel Bellinger. People definitely has notice when we look stupid. <laughs> Craig, yeah, Daniel Bellinger, San Diego, San Diego State. State. Oh my god. Wait. 
Did we tell the story in the podcast? No, go ahead. I felt bad about this. Um, so I mean, I don't a- care. I was like, Jesus, this guy really cares about <laughs> round 28 of the auction draft we're in. So mad. We did a dynasty draft. Or dynasty uh, with, draft, yeah. Uh, a month ago. And I just really wanted to tight end. And again, you know, I was like, Daniel Bellinger had basically won the starting job for the Giants. And I was like, I want the Giants tight end, man. I just want him. And then Craig takes him, like, because he went to San Diego Swooped State. Where Craig went, And Craig takes him one pick before. And I think I saw this at like three in the morning. I couldn't sleep. And I just text Craig, fuck you. I hope you rot in hell. I was like, <laughs> no, Jesus, I, said, I said, Craig, I sent a text to Craig because I wanted Bellinger too. And I go, damn it, Craig. And then Heifetz chimes in, I'm your mother kill sucks you. cocks in hell. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, <laughs> Jesus, man. Too far. <laughs> Are you good? So Are you like sad. belligerently drunk right now? What's going on? <laughs> I actually remember thinking, I don't think I've ever, I, I don't remember the last time I've spoken like that when I was like sober. Like, Golden me. I was like, <laughs> the voice is like, you know, like when they do the voice of like the devil in movies and it's like really like multi-layered. And like, yeah. Weird. That was like Heifetz text. Like the, the exorcism of Danny Heifetz. All right. Uh, while I'm talking about looking like an asshole, I have another one. We have a new category this week. I'm very proud of this. It's called <laughs> the mansplain of the week. Yes. Uh, I... <laughs> So the Bengals Cowboys games comes on today and the for I'm watching with my girlfriend in the first play, like literally the first play or the second play, Tony Romo just starts waxing poetic. He's like, you know, Jim, I really think everyone's counting out the Cowboys, but I really think the Cowboys have a real shot to win this game and just starts talking about all the reasons. And I turn to my girlfriend. I'm like, well, hun. hey, babe, get over here, <laughs> hey, babe. Yeah. You know that meme of the guy talking to the woman's ear at the concert? And he's like, look, you know, Tony Romo. Played for the Cowboys for a very long time. And, you know, he might not even believe what he's saying right now, but, you know, he's got to, you know, he's got to be on the Cowboys side, right? Like he can't side against Dallas. He's a god. He's clearly biased. Yes. I didn't even listen to his reasons. I just tuned out. And then the Cowboys immediately went up 14 to three and they beat the season. (laughs) When mansplaining goes wrong. Yeah. How much energy did we put into being worried about the Cowboys today? Yeah, I mean, I, I put a lot of they worry into CD Lamb, and he was fine. He he did a, he did a pretty good job. So yeah, if anything, it's the That's Bengals good. now that everybody has to worry about. Um, <laughs> I love how I love how short sighted we are with everything in the NFL. Like every every week, it's like, oh god, the wheels are falling off. You know what we should do? <laughs> we should really invent. Should we do the Costanza? Everyone's bad at this, right? No, like we're we're terrible. Everyone's bad. No one can predict this. Should we just do the George Costanza thing? Should we just do the opposite of everything we mean? We should go through each game and decide all the players we think are going to have good games and then pick the other player on that. <laughs> well, that worked with Allen Robinson this week, baby. <laughs> it did. We should do that. All right. This is a very important one. We've got, so every week here, we, we honestly, it's my favorite award we do. And it's the, we're not mad. We're just disappointed award. We're inverting that. We're actually scrapping this week. It's the, we're not disappointed. We're just bad. And it's for Kyle Pitts. It's a shame it took 60 minutes to get here, but we're so mad at you, Kyle Pitts. <laughs> Kyle Pitts was the 25th highest scoring tight end today. Oh, God. Can I ask you guys a question? So Kyle Pitts had two catches for 19 yards last week, and I kept trying to find his box score. Like, like what was his final line this week? And I kept following up. And I was, he did it again. He just had another two catches for 19 yards. It took me a while to realize like, that, <laughs> My that happened the wrong again. week. He's had 2.9 points in each of the two games this season. So last time, last week, we played the game, uh, two tight ends who outscored Kyle Pitts and one who didn't. 
And so we're going to play that game again. But last time I tricked you guys and I actually had three tight ends who all just scored more <laughs> than Kyle Pitts. This time, this is for real this time. There is one ah, guy who didn't and okay. the other two did. So I'm going to read you three tight ends who played this week. Two of them outscored Kyle Pitts. One did not. Here are the names. Eric Saubert. <laughs> God damn it. Tanner Hudson. <laughs> And Brock Wright. <laughs> These are the three whitest names I've ever heard in my life. I got life. this. Eric Tanner Hudson on the sounds like he stars in Full House. <laughs> Eric Sobert's on the Broncos. Tanner Hudson is on the Giants, and I know that because I discovered he existed today when he caught a pass. And I was like, who the fuck is Tanner Hudson? I don't even know he existed. Uh, who was the other guy? Brock Wright? Brock Wright. <laughs> I think you're screwing this again. I think they all beat him again. I don't think Brock, Brock Wright is a made-up name. They all outscored him again. <laughs> you motherfucker. <laughs> Eric Stobbert, Tanner Hudson, and Brock Wright outscored the greatest tight end prospect in NFL history. At some uh, point. So, wait, also, what Falcons said coach Arthur Smith, he said, what did he say after the game? People asked him, hey, why does Kyle Pitts have four catches this season? And what did he say? He said, this isn't fantasy football. We're trying to win football games here. Yeah, yeah. That was the gist of it. I think it was taken a little bit out of context, unfortunately, because I was clapping back at it, too. I'm like, hey, motherfucker, you drafted him fourth overall. Um, but like, I think it, it, I think the full context <laughs> of the thing was like, look, man, that's not like our main priority here. We're like trying to like win. Like at the end of the day, though, he really Craig's does dad need, would agree with that. He really does need to get about. Kyle Pitts more involved. Like you're losing games, dude. Like he's like one of the best players on your team. Get him more involved. Maybe force feed him the ball a little bit. Like four targets in two games or four catches in two games is objectively not good enough. Like can it's I just be a little a contrarian? Really bad strategy. Is it at all? Can you? Can that? you? Of course you can. You always. I'm are. serious. Question. Okay, fair. Yes. I, I I deserve that, but I'm just saying, is it at all meaningful that the Falcons were widely expected to be really in contention for the number one pick and they really almost beat the Rams today? Like, should that matter? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, on the pro on the bright side, like Drake London looks awesome. So I guess there's like there is a silver lining here, but man, can we just maybe get him more involved? Like it logically speaking, like it just makes sense for them to like get him more targets. Like give him the football. He's good. He had three targets. It's ridiculous. Here's why I wanted to pose the contrarian side for a moment. Because I I have I I love Kyle Pitts. I have Kyle Pitts, and I I I I I know we're we're not even disappointed in him. We're just mad. I'm mad at him. I actually want to elevate this. I want to discuss whether we should burn Kyle Pitts and put him in the burn book. I would have said yes. Are we gonna do burn book now? Yeah, we should yeah. I yeah, I I really think we should discuss if Kyle Pitts is like this is ridiculous. This was a, this is crazy. I would have said yes, but then I watched Sunday Night Football and the Chicago Bears passing game is a national disgrace. <laughs> so much for Cole Komet. Cole oh Komet. my God. He has Cole zero Komet has zero catches. catches. And, and Darnell Mooney has two catches for four yards in two games. I've started them both times. You know what's year. crazy is as I know I plugged in Cole Komet. I definitely know people are listening who like have Cole Komet. I hope drop him. Cut his ass. What's oh, crazy obviously. is that Darnell Mooney's been worse <laughs> than Cole Komet has relative to where you drafted them. The Bears threw it. They had 70 yards passing. He, Justin Fields was seven for 11 for seven. 70 yards and a pick. It, this is Tim Tebow numbers, folks. This is, a, this is a disaster. I, I, I think we have to burn the pass catchers on the fucking Bears. I think that you're right. And we gave Kyle Pitts another. We have to give him another week. But like Kyle Pitts, at, at some point, this we're gonna do buy we're gonna buy low sell highs this week. Yes, and it's 
Kyle Pitts is a real conversation of like, yes. what would you just accept for Kyle Pitts? Wait, you want to sell him? Well, he's not a he's not a sell high. It's you don't want to sell him. He's a buy low. I mean, he's a he's a right. buy low is what Hype is saying. You have but to I, well, I, you have to convince me. I think it, the ballsy thing to do would be like try and acquire him. You're not going to get much for him. He's a buy low essentially, but I still believe that. His value is still too inflated. He, he, the sunk cost fallacy is still there for mm. people who drafted him that they're not going to want to get rid of him. Right, right, he right. needs like two more bad weeks in a row, I think. Um, but I do we want to give it to Mooney and Komet, the Bears receiving yeah. core? Who are we giving it the to? Bears. What about yeah. Fields? No, well, because I don't want to give it to Montgomery. We can't just give it to the Bears. Yeah, I agree. Do you want to give it to Fields? Burn Cole, Komet, Darnell Dar 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 Mooney. I think Craig is correct. How many yards does Darnell Mooney have this season? He had negative four today. <laughs> So less, so he's got less than he did last week, and he had eight last week. So he has four yards. I'm oh so my god! Done. Are you fucking kidding me? Are you sure? Yes, I'm. Sh I, I'm oh my so god. sure. I've started him twice. <laughs> I was like, it was raining last week. Oh my god, dude! I'm so mad at myself for softening my stance because I, I think I was making fun of you, Heifetz, for hyping up Cole Komet at one point this summer and then I kind of softened my stance. I was like, okay, I, I can get it. I, I'm like kind of into it now and I started like Cole Komet. You talked me into it and I'm pissed at myself. I did. I apologize to everybody. Well, the irony is one of the things that Cole Komet, Cole Komet was the most targeted tight end uh, to ever Without not a touchdown? score. Yeah, yeah, ever. And now he just, they answered that by just not targeting him at all. That's seven completions. It's it's legit Tim Tebow. That's shit. crazy. So, I mean, seven completions. Well, this is what we were worried about last year when we were like, someone's going to catch passes on the Texans, and that Brandon Cooks did well. And we're like, this is what we thought it would be like. Yeah, but no, alas. Yeah, it's it's a disgrace. Bears, Darnell Mooney. Wait, hold on, hold on. I, are we burning them? This sounds like not their fault. But it, it it doesn't matter. Like this is fantasy football. They have burned me. You know? <laughs> yeah, all right, fine. Yeah, you're right. Darnell Mooney and so Cole Komet, you're burned. Fault it, is. It's, it matters what's happening then on when your we, team. Then we're just like burning only quarterbacks and like offensive play callers, <laughs> but like we can't do that. Yeah, you're right. All right, they're burned. Okay, before we wrap up here, we actually added a couple shorter categories to the, to the episode because we just thought it was funny. Too many things happen in a day that we need to address. Yes. A few notable things that we were going to acknowledge but not elaborate on. Nick Chubb had three touchdowns and is currently the number one running back in half PPR scoring. Cooper, <laughs> Cooper Cup basically did nothing, and then he did everything, and then he basically almost lost the Rams the game. Devontae <laughs> Adams had two catches, but one was for a touchdown, so it's fine. Christian McCaffrey has just been fine for two weeks. Saquon Barkley was, like, fine today, but it was scarier than that. Okay, Craig, do you want to take us through the, uh, the, the Jessica Walter Memorial Lucille Bluth stat lines that we will not we don't understand and will not respond to yes the lines from the day that we don't understand and won't respond to mac hollins was the leading wide receiver for the raiders today <laughs> richie james was the leading wide receiver for the giants today ashton doolin was the leading wide receiver for the colts today <laughs> noah brown has led the cowboys in receiving yards this week and last week and what? greg dortch leads the cardinals in catches after dortch. two weeks the Cardinals had a uh, hashtag during the preseason that was just, you got dorched. 
<laughs> we torched everyone first. <laughs> what team was Greg Dortch even on, DK, when you recommended him last year? Oh, God. I think it was the Jets. So I can't even remember. It was like two years ago. I keep getting people adding me about it, and I can't, I don't actually remember like the exact context of it, but I was at one point in time in my life, I was like, Greg Dortch, good sleeper. It was I think in the preseason, and I think it inspired Craig and I to like stop letting you talk about random yeah. guys who were And then he's been on like three or four teams since. So you're probably right to do so. <laughs> now, he's fucking good. Like, he's this, he is what Rondell Moore was supposed to be. This guy is only 24 years old, and he's been on five teams. <laughs> dorched. You got dorched. <laughs> he's back. Never wrong, only early, guys. That's right. Is he just going to be better than Rondell Moore? I mean, Rondell Moore's oh, hamstring is going to be back in October. Greg Dortch. That's just I mean, the, the, the Rondell, like Greg Dortch replacing Rondell Moore just gives me extremely mixed emotions because for, for many reasons. Full circle. It's the true detective with like the can crushing. It's like <laughs> flat circle. Okay. That's all we got. Thank you, DK. Thank you, Craig. Thank you, Greg Dortch. I don't know what we would do without Dorched. you. Dorched. Uh, thank you, Amon St. Brown. Thank you, Christian Kirk. Thank you, Lauren. Lauren. Thank you, Chris Cross. I also would like to thank Elton John. I saw Elton John this weekend <laughs> oh. in Pittsburgh. Unreal. The guy's done, it was his 90th and final concert in the state of Pennsylvania. Wow. It's just a legend. Did he do any of the, uh, like the modern remixes? Did he do the Dua Lipa remix? Did he do yes, the Britney Spears? Yes, he did. We did an encore and he did the Cold Heart with Dua Lipa and everyone in the audience except uh, me was like under, I was the only person there, me and my girlfriend under like 50. And we were like, yeah! And everyone else was like, what's this weird rocket, man? He didn't bring out like anybody, right? Nobody came out. Dua no, Lipa didn't no, show no. up. But we went to dinner before and uh, I'm at dinner with like uh, her family, and like family in Pittsburgh and I'm just like, why do I know every voice at the table behind me? And I turn around, and it's just all the CBS guys who are announcing the game. It was Charles Davis. Oh, shit. It was Ian Eagle. It was Evan Washburn. I'm like, oh, my God. What? And when I went to Denver, I borrowed sunscreen from Evan Washburn. He stole it from someone, and I just borrowed it. And <laughs> I, did, I, was already, I was already burned. So anyway, so I went and talked to them. They were, and Charles Davis is like the nicest human being alive. Oh, wow. He was incredibly nice. That's nice to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Here we are. Shout out Elton John. Full circle. It all comes back. He started with Benny and the Jets, and it was like, duh, duh. And I was like, shit, I got to get back to my seats. <laughs> Beginning. Well, I'm buying the, the <laughs> drinks for everybody, like a nice dude. And then I'm like, oh. I thought you were going to be like, you started it out, and then the beat dropped, and we were all in the mosh pit. He's like, oh, God damn it, I got to get back to my Hyvis seats. Hyvis is shuffling back with his like five beers <laughs> spilling everywhere. I'm just like, Holding this like black cherry white claw. And, like, <laughs> I, gotta, I gotta get back to the oh, song. All right. Goodbye, everyone. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.